Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. Security authorization accepted. Program complete. Enter when ready. Hello and welcome everyone to episode number 28. This is our debriefing episode of the Assassin uh, homebrew scenario that I came up with. Really excited to talk about this. This was a, a lot of fun in the event. So uh, let's get right to it with the question. Um, since we don't have another official OP for July, does anyone have a scenario you'd like to run? Hi, my name is Danish. And uh, yeah, I think I really enjoyed the Wrath of Khan uh, scenario from the classic movie storyline OP event. Um, it's 120 points on each side. You've got your different fleets, but uh, a section of the of the play area is the Mutara Nebula. And in the Nebula, your firing range is reduced to range one, and shields, target locks, cloaking, scans don't work. Um, if you fight in there, uh, the odds will be even. Um, I think it's a <laughs> lot of fun. I enjoyed it, so I recommend The Wrath of Khan. Cool. I'm Chris, and I really loved In a Mirror Darkly when we played it the first time, so I would love to get the chance to play this again. Um, I, I, it was just a lot of fun for me, and I will take a completely different track in at this time and not run Pete into a planet over and over again. <laughs> so you say. Yeah. I don't believe him. Hi, <laughs> I'm Pete, and I would choose, even though I know it's not going to happen, which would be peak performance, because I've now missed it twice. <laughs> well pete you can so, always listen to episode 26 our peak performance debriefing very true not quite the same but well, very true. fair enough i got Someday one word for that. you pete tholian <laughs> <laughs> we don't know the qualification for that word but hey what do you know uh my name is ryan and uh i actually i'm going to be a little different i'm not going to choose a, a real op uh, I've been uh, putting together a campaign mode for Star for a little while now, and uh, it essentially follows. Well, I'd originally had it be uh, based on the Klingon Civil War, and then you know, Wiz Kids came up with the Klingon Civil War. So now it's a Romulan Civil War. It's very different than what it was before. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but one thing I like about it though is you start with 50 points, one ship. Um, and as you go through, you're allowed to add an additional number of points based on how you do in the previous event. Um, but when you, because it's linear, uh, and there are five or six different possible missions we might do, the actual, you know, if you if your ship is destroyed and you have a named card on it, you can't reuse that card um, or any other card with that name um, again and throughout the entire course of the rest of the campaign. So I, I kind of want to see how that goes, and I want to play test it, um, even if it's just a, as a three mission thing. But um, yeah, should be. I would like to do that. That'd be fun. Attack Wing Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Timothy, everybody's favorite uh, recurring guest star, by uh, virtue of my being the only one. Um, and I am going to recommend the Siege of AR Five Fifty Eight. Uh, that's an OP I never got to play because I came into the game after it uh, was released and I, uh, I've heard great things about it. You have a space battle and you also have uh, your crew and, and captains, I think, are battling on the ground and there was a, a balance between them and uh, that sounds interesting to me. All right, listeners, you've heard it. Those are your five choices to vote for. 
And, and we'll eventually run one of those because I doubt we'll get to it, you know, in time for July. <laughs> we'll run uh, we'll the run next Doomsday time. Machine. The next time. I, I uh, thought I thought Chris was going to say Doomsday Machine, but I think that's a good scenario, too. It is. And I know that was one only three of us, uh, Pete, Danish, and I, I think, were the ones able to attend that one. And I had to leave early because there was a family emergency. So, I also liked uh, several of the first contact ones. Those were pretty cool. I remember the one where the Borg shields get harder or stronger and stronger by the end. It's rolling thirty-five defensive dice or something. <laughs> Jeez, no rule of three for the Borg. Nope. Uh, well, <laughs> we played Assassin this last uh, week here, and uh, very excited to talk about it today. As Chris mentioned, um, essentially every person brings one ship with seventy-five points on it. Um, all current, uh, um, whatever they're called, are eligible. What are they called? Those resources. 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 There we go. Yeah. Uh, that's the word. Uh, our resources are, are eligible, and the independent versions of each flagship were eligible as well. So that was a lot of fun. That's actually my favorite resource. Um, I know that there are some other good ones too, but that is absolutely my favorite resource. Uh, so we came, we had um, eight people play, which was pretty awesome. Essentially, you have one person that's chosen at random uh, that you are trying to kill, and that is the only person that you can attack, the only one that's considered your enemy. And uh, that goes round and round and round until someone has you, and you are the only person that they are allowed to attack or target as their enemy. Uh, It doesn't mean you can't mess with people in other ways, um, but that is essentially how it worked. And so it's a big old daisy chain of uh, college remembrance. (laughs) Pretty much. And if you didn't get to play that in college, then I, I feel bad for your poor, deprived soul. <laughs> so there were eight players and uh, eight fleets. Um, and just as a, a brief overview of each fleet, um, I brought a, a fleet that was built off of the uh, USS Sutherland. And it was uh, both meant to be defensive and uh, maneuverable. Um, so I had I had uh, Maxwell Forest on there uh, for maneuvers, and I had defensive cards like Riker and uh, and the the um, uh, what do you call it the, the emer- emergency shielding and multi adaptive shield stuff like that. I had full reverse on Mister Spock, etc. You also had a lot of action economy, yes. As in, you were taking four actions every turn. I was taking four <laughs> actions every turn, which was cool. Uh, Janet played. Janet brought a USS Prometheus with multi-vector attack mode, Picard 9, a few other things. Yeah, I don't remember what was on her build. I never got to see it. Yeah. She was a little <laughs> short, though. I think she ended up having about 56 points on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she's one of our players who hasn't had a chance to collect as much as everybody else. Uh, Joe brought a 2nd Division uh, Dominion battleship uh, with Goldukat and Duranadar uh, on the independent Romulan flagship. Um, he brought secondary matter system to give him some extra maneuvers um, to, to give him uh, make his maneuvers green. Actually, some of his maneuvers green. He had uh, shield adaptation. He had maintenance crew, a Montagon, tactical command reticle, Bohika, and Elim Garrick. So he was Dominion pure and um, had um, a goodly amount of attack, um, but yeah. an insane amount of defense. So that was, that was where Joe was coming from. And he had brought, he brought a, a wingman with him too, which 
kept people distracted from the game. So. <laughs> Mainly Janet. Mainly Janet. <laughs> yeah. And a bit himself. This was Joe's first uh, trip back, at, or first game back after having gone on his honeymoon. Yeah. Uh, so that was the wingman that he brought, wingwoman that he brought with him. So. Um, and Chris, uh, do you want to walk us through your fleet briefly? Sure. I did not bring the fleet that I had described in our briefing episode. I brought Hallelujah. Beta. Shock. Have you ever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Bioship Beta, captained uh, by Calvin Hudson with. The independent um, uh, flagship on it, so I got a huge discount off of everything. Uh, I loaded it up with uh, shield adaptation to give me extra defense, defense Riker, um, and then a ton of weapons uh, that were all like that didn't cost me anything because they were like the two point uh, Ferengi torpedoes, two point uh, Federation torpedoes. I had Arsenal on there so I could use my Ferengi torpedoes uh, every round. So I didn't need all the stuff that was on there. Um, but it was just like, well, if I get hit with a crit, I'm, I'm going to need this. And the real point of this was to have, you know, uh, high quality attack dice and be a little bit durable. But it turned out that it was way more durable than I thought it was. Hmm. Uh, so uh, you, I'll post the full list on the website. I don't feel we need to take the time to go through every single card that was on it. Very cool. I hit the I hit the high points. Pete, you wanna uh, you had the same uh, build that you talked about in the briefing episode. Yes, I did. Um, and after pl- actually, you know what they say, you know, no uh, plan survives first contact. After that, I believe I would have made some different changes if we were to play if I were to play this fleet again in this manner. <clears throat> just some of the cards didn't seem to work too well together or, or they were extraneous and I could have used the points better elsewhere. Just for the sake of listeners who didn't listen to the briefing episode, shame, shame, shame. Uh, Pete <laughs> was flying a Weapon Zero with the Independent Federation flagship, uh, Jean-Luc Picard 9, and a bunch of other uh, cards on there as well. Photon Torpedoes, Particle Beam Weapon, Thalex, Drex, Kiev Aramansor, Dispersive Armor, and Tuva. Uh, Timothy's friend Robert uh, also was flying Weapon Zero. Timothy, you want to just give us a brief summary of what his Weapon Zero was like? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> Robert's Weapon Zero uh, was using the Independent Federation flagship, gave him an extra evade, an attack, fallen shield. He had Kiefer Amansor as the captain, who let him reroll his blank results when defending. Gint for some GPLT. Uh, he had Trellium D to uh, boost his defense, uh, specifically reduce his damage. Kenneth, Dal- Kenneth Dalby to uh, repair his hollow shields. Ibex Dynasty was... to cancel attacks. Uh, Kenneth Dalby was a clutch card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He had Ibex Dynasty and uh, Zindi torpedoes that didn't do anything, but that was there to uh, be discarded with Ibex Dynasty in order to cancel attacks. He had Power Grid to deal with Auxiliary Power Tokens, Particle Beam Weapon to boost his attack, and Reptilian Analysis Team to help with using Power Grid over and over again. Very good. Ryan, uh, you brought a Voyager. I did, yeah. I had brought both of the builds, the one that I talked about in the briefing episode uh, and this one. I ended up bringing Voyager. Initially, it had had... Uh, Voyager, the Romulan independent flagship for the free battle stations every turn, 
and both transphasic torpedoes and um, the ablative generator. I that would have been really fun to play. I think to actually be able to go through all those, uh, but I ended up taking off transphasic since they're just a one-off, um, and I put in a whole bunch of other weapons instead. Uh, and I mean, it worked all right. I was able to get one kill, but um, I wish I could have had something heavy hitter. It was definitely meant to be a defensive build, though. I had needs of the many for the extra shields or for the shield regeneration and the uh, blade of generator for the hull, uh, and then um, uh, systems upgrade to get that extra extra shield. So, but there you go. <laughs> And finally, our last player was Timothy, and Timothy was flying the Enterprise E, just like the. Uh, is that the one you had in the, the briefing episode? That is the same one, yeah. Uh, so I had the Enterprise E with the Independent Federation flagship, the one with the Evade, uh, Hate Picard, Chemosite, Meridor, Gornail, uh, Loger. I had Red Squad and Yellow Alert of my talents, Systems Upgrade, uh, T9 Energy Converter. Both Federation and Ferengi torpedoes, Defense Riker, and uh, Ox Removal Checkoff. Great. Nice. Those so were the we gets. Here we get to the actual battle. Uh, now, we initially drew cards and names, and uh, I, Ryan, got Janet as my target. Janet had Joe. Joe went after Timothy, who valiantly tried to go after Robert. Uh, Robert was targeting Danish, who uh, was trying to evade him in his attempt to get Chris. Chris had Pete, um, which was going very well for him until the last five turns, and Pete then had <laughs> me. Now, we did, um, there were people who were eliminated. This was the uh, elimination order. Uh, Janet was eliminated first. Uh, Pete was eliminated shortly, well, longly after that. Yeah. <laughs> And then Danish. Um, I had to then leave uh, after about five and a half hours of play uh, on the single game. I had to go home because uh, my I promised my kiddos I'd tuck them into bed. Uh, Timothy uh, managed to last uh, that long, but Robert outlasted him. And then uh, Joe was actually uh, the last one eliminated, leaving, if you were doing your map along at home, uh, Christoph as our victor. Yep, Victor, this time. Yeah, it it, it was a a nail biter for quite a lot of it for me. I thought Danish was going to take me out right up until uh, uh, the first Robert time I was attacked. able to turn around and you know start attacking Danish. <laughs> it was yeah. like so to start oh. to start off. Uh, <laughs> Timothy wound up uh, going after Robert, and Robert got really afraid of that, and uh, so Robert started. Just sort of running around the uh, the map to try to avoid Timothy, and so I didn't have to worry about Robert. So I just kind of for about three hours. Yeah, yeah. and that's but, that, yeah. I mean like an actual literal three hours. He was going around the board on the opposite side of the field. So I think the first was... thing our listeners need to know is that we thought this would be about an hour and a half to play a game of, of Assassin with eight of us and 130 points or no, and 75 points per ship and <laughs> on a th and, on a four by four and field. a four by four field. Yeah. Um, it took five hours and 20 minutes to play one round of this. And we only played one round. It was a lot of fun, but, but it, it took and, forever. Yeah. And the reality is once people started dropping, it, people dropped like flies. I mean, it, the end game was very short, but it took so long 
to get there because we added an extra, uh, you know, we went at an extra seven square feet uh, of playing space. And we'll get to lessons learned soon, and I'll talk about that. I, I made some adjustments to the scenario that I'll post with in the description of in, in the show notes. Yeah, um, but I, just, I felt I figured it'd be a good idea for us to talk about how we yeah. felt the the yeah. battle went. You know, just in general. Uh, yeah, um, I it was the most one of the most fun events I've had in even though it was like really tactically uh, difficult to figure out what I had to do and what then turns and what my a target was going to do because I couldn't do anything to you for the most part, Danish. Right. Um, but it was like this is so much fun because all of us were all of our us were around one board, following one doing one thing. It was great. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, that that was for me the best part was having all eight of us around the table together um, playing the same game. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying I want this to be the the, the the scenario we play every time but but it, it just was it was part of why you play a game is to be with the yeah. people you're going to be with and we have yeah the group. camaraderie was definitely unparalleled yeah oh yeah agreed um i think one of the keys for this was with so many people you have to minimize distractions yeah because there were times when people weren't following what phase of the game we were in and that caused issues uh and i hope not really hard feelings yeah um because i didn't want anybody to feel like they were being you know left behind or anything like that um but it was frustrating because we got it we had to keep pace but so yeah minimize distractions is a big thing yeah definitely so uh as it went through um I was able to take uh, Janet out uh, fairly early on, uh, probably only about two hours into the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny to say that that's early on, but that's how it went. Uh, and so that was kind of neat. But one of the cards I did take the Matt Decker Admiral because it doesn't specify an enemy, and I would highly suggest if anyone else plays this that they <laughs> definitely consider that. It was a great way to just kind of mess with people. Plus. I don't mind if I'm giving someone else uh, an extra attack die because they yeah. can't attack me, but I'm able. Yeah. I was able to do a couple of points of damage that way. Um, yeah. I but then trying to go against Joe, man, the, the shield adaptation. Yeah. I just couldn't roll enough dice, and he was taking because he had Galdacott and he had the flagship. He was taking battle stations, evade, and. Um, uh, skin or a target lock every round, and there was just there was just no chance for for that to happen. Uh, if I had just Matt Deckard him every round, then I probably would have been able to take care of it. But I had Sulu on there, and I was worried about getting blown up. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so I after you took Janet out, I eventually took out Pete. I had Pete down to one hull very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> But well, that's his key card against me was really dispersive armor because my secondary weapons were based off of my primary weapon value. So he dropped that down to four, and while I could do some shenanigans to build it up, most of my shenanigans were going to defense. And uh, it took a long time for me to get one extra hull off of Pete. 
it was a good it was a good six turns and you weren't you weren't rolling any shortage of dice you were rolling five or no. six or seven dice every turn and yeah. even still he would get exactly what he needed to cancel every single one yeah. of your five hits well yeah i didn't have a lot of quality i, I wasn't using target lock um so i didn't have a lot of quality so he he uh, was able to easily defend well, with and, the uh, weapon zero's ability, and then the dispersive armor, and the the ability to remove, um, uh, oh, what do you call it? Ox the, power tokens. Ox yeah. power token by by the um, the derelict ship. Which almost was, everyone took. Right, yeah. I, I was able to remove two ox power tokens a turn, so I was able to re-enable and reuse uh, um, yeah. uh, my my what do you call it? My actions to good effect. Yeah. So those of you listening, if you're playing this, uh, the derelict ship is amazing, and um, you, if other people are choosing it, don't because it's going to make your life miserable. <laughs> yeah, I think we can probably all agree that the most annoying card of the night was, or of the day, I guess, turning into night, a little of uh, both, was yeah. the weapon zero. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I, I had Robert as my target for the first while, and uh, well, for the entire game. And uh, as you heard earlier, he went after uh, Danish, and instead of going directly after him, he uh, swerved away to avoid being attacked by me. Now, this is because he and I had played this scenario, just the two of us, uh, at various points, and I had blown him up each time. Um, but it was very different than when it was just uh, two ships on the board because I wasn't quite able to attack him every turn, especially since I was trying to avoid being blown up by Joe. And uh, he was able to, with his weapon zero and his re-rolling blanks, and he had a battle station that had evade every turn, and he used the battle stations for defense, he wound up evading all of my hits and crits every single time I attacked him. No matter how many dice I was rolling, no matter how many hits I got, he would always evade them. And all. even if you did I, get hit off him, of course yeah. he used the battle station for defense. He had he was nowhere near me. Right, of course, yeah, yeah. of yeah. course, yeah. So using the battle station so, for defense it was, yeah. it was insane. Yeah, I gotta say I don't know what why you had such a problem with him. Joe eliminated him like in his first attack. Yeah, well, what, what happens was, what, what happens is <laughs> Timothy Timothy to... had loosened the lid of the pickle jar. Yes. So what happens with with that sort of a, a build is if you attack it every turn, usually with Ferengi torpedoes a bunch of the time, laying oxes on it, eventually he's going to not be able to do actions. And when he's not able to do actions, you can do a couple of points of damage. And by the time you can take out his shields and do some crits to his hull, uh, he's uh, fairly crippled and going to be destroyed fairly quickly. The other thing was that Joe had an insane attack. I mean, he was rolling eight dice with his primary weapon just right off the bat. And he had impressive quality with a battle stations and a target lock and usually a scan. Um, so the only reason I lasted as long as I did against Joe was because I had Hemocyte and I was just getting out of the way of his ship in every single round. He only attacked yeah. me maybe three times and then he blew me up in those three attacks. Um, but those three attacks were spread out over five hours. So, um, yeah. Uh, the other thing was that I had T9 energy converter, and I was able to very slowly, but very surely, repair my shields, and that uh, kind of helped me. But not enough. Yeah. 
So um, while I did end up being the last person to survive, I got to say, Danish, your build, you were able to roll one more hit than I could roll defense dice. Um, And so you took down my shields to one. Right. And Ryan had damaged me twice with Matt Decker, at which point I was like, well, I don't have long to live. And then, like, you know, the cavalry coming in, Robert appeared, and you went away from me for a while. And I was able to heal up. I was able to use Odo to uh, steal Kenneth Dal- Darby, Dalby, whatever his name is, from from um, that the use of that ability from Robert and heal my shields up. So by the time uh, I, I was going after Joe... Uh, I was like ready. I was like, okay, I'm fine again. <laughs> like, yay, <laughs> I have a new lease on life. But the only thing that like your build needed Danish was more attack dice. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was throwing, um, I was throwing six attack dice max, but then with your, uh, whatever that attack reduction card was, uh, shield adaptation, shield adaptation. Um, you you made it so that I was only rolling four dice, and uh, yeah. with four, yeah, I wasn't going through your your defense very often. Yeah, I was I was also boosting my own defense. So yeah, yeah. <sighs> I don't think I hit uh, Ryan very many times, but the most I think I got was uh, I got rid of the a blade of hull, and I think I actually did two damage to his hull, and that In was it so. before yeah. I was gone. <laughs> well, there was a long time between you did those two damage and you being gone. Yeah. Because while very powerful, the weapon zero is not super maneuverable. Right. Right. And uh, he, uh, Ryan was spending a lot more time trying to follow his target than trying to be able to be shot at by you. Go figure. <laughs> so. Although there were a couple of times when I was only just outside of Ark. And yeah. I, I really didn't know how that was going to end up, but I got lucky a couple times. All right. So, so yep. Maybe I just have a suggestion. Why don't we go around and what do you think was the most helpful card in your build for you in this scenario? I mean, for me... For me, it was either Chemocyte or T9 Energy Converter. Uh, Chemocyte helped me to maneuver out of Joe's arc and uh, maneuvered so that I could uh, attack Robert in most of the turns. And T9 was able to heal me very slowly as I was able to get Ox tokens, but it was able to heal. Uh, what I'd say is that you know because I had uh, a lot of synergy and action economy... Um, I'm not sure there was one card that was the most helpful for me. Maybe it probably would have to be the flagship resource, but that's, uh, you know, that's the, I think, cheating. Um, I don't know. I would say for you, Spock. I certainly was using Spock uh, every every turn. You, um, you used Forest yeah. a lot, too. Because, well, so, so, I mean, so I had I had four actions each turn. And so, <laughs> you know, any one of those cards, Jean-Luc Picard, Forest, yeah. Mr. Spock, Valeris... Uh, we're going to be, um, you know, in the top, uh, so the top four there, yeah. And the flagship are going to be the battlefish. All right. Uh, for me, it's either my ship's named ability for uh, soaking, a, a, you know, taking an ox power to cancel a, a damage or a hit, 
uh, and shield adaptation, which yeah. both of them just made my ship very durable. Yeah. Biotech was helpful for you too. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I I think I like Decker the most, honestly. Um, <laughs> I I really like the ability to uh, to give, get a guaranteed hit every turn because that wasn't always the case, and because so many people had such high shield values, uh, damaging the hull directly was worth it. Yep. Uh, for my build, I would definitely say dispersive armor. That kept me in the game a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> than uh, otherwise. So, um, this ended up being I had first place bragging rights as the last player standing, and I also had two kills. And then second place bragging rights went to Joe, who also had two kills, and that would be the most kills since, uh, outside of last player standing. So, um, the uh, I, I learned a few things about designing uh, this uh, from designing the scenario, and uh, one of them was four by four was too big. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it it allowed for the running away, which I understand he didn't want. Uh, Robert didn't want to be attacked, but it it was like really like you're not playing the game. You're not playing the scenario. Um, and uh, I I thought that was kind of frustrating for me. Uh, but it also meant that it took longer for us to even engage. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think a three by three would have forced the engagement more and uh, just helped it speed up. I agree. Uh, I also think that 75 points was too many. I actually agree with that too. I think 60 or 65 probably would have been good. Um, but 75 I, I, was. Yeah. yeah. I look at even 50 points. Like you can make with very little effort. I could pretty much run the same ship. At, at 50 points that I ran there. I mean, I'm a few of the like little added stuff, but the same, you know, almost the exact same concept. Uh, I think a 50, 50 point, points would have been I fine. think 50 points and allowing flagship still uh, would be plenty. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah. Maybe if you say 60 points just to allow for the extra for flagship. Yeah. yeah. Um... Let's see what else, uh, going through, um, and any other changes were really just um, formally like doing things like I had, things I hadn't thought of where we're set up. Yeah, we should have placed in captain skill order. That really doesn't matter in this event uh, as much, uh, but. You know, we did it in initiative order clockwise, just as an easiest thing to do. Um, and, but, you know, following the rules with that, um, there was questions because two people had the same, there were two sets of people who had the same captain skill. And it came down to you only pass initiative between those two uh, because it doesn't affect anybody else. Yeah. Um, that type of thing like those were things like oh i had to like come up with a hot fix for and um uh, and i've put that stuff in a document that i'll be i'll be adding to our our description of the episode um does anybody else have a a suggestion to change how i could change this to improve the scenario i think you hit the big two yeah all right. Uh, anybody have suggestions? If somebody else were to play this, or you're going to do it, and we're going to play it again in the future, 
it could happen uh, about fleet construction and you know what what was really important. Um, I really think that uh, damage cancellation, attack cancellation was was pretty pretty key um, in this game. Um, agreed. If 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 a few of you are going to do it, all of you need to do it. Something right. you know, it's like that's that's the sort of thing um, I would say is that uh, more than likely it's going to be a big deal in your game if if everybody's able to soak damage. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, that means you need to have you need to be rolling more than five attack dice. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Prior to any cancellation effects. Yes. So, right. um, you know, looking at six attack dice is the minimum because people are going to be running shield adaptation and some other effect. Uh-huh. Uh, you can't, like, you can't go solely a defensive build. Right. Because there's no, defense does not match quality-wise with attacking. No, but I, I do think that if you had a ship that was defense-based and you had Matt Decker... I do think that there would be that, that that would be sufficient. I just didn't always Matt Decker, and I should have just stuck with that strategy. I was bouncing back and forth between strategies, supposed to getting frustrated with how long the game was going, and I should have just stuck with it. Um, I think had I done that, I would have been more successful in taking, say, for instance, Joe out. Well, let me perhaps this, but, uh, Ryan. I mean, sure. the thing about Matt Decker is you're taking one hull per round. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so we had a five-hour and 20-minute game, so we had a lot of rounds. But I think that with uh, a smaller playing field and a smaller um, build size, um, I think that you're going to have actually a much shorter game and um, fewer turns. So Matt Decker will be great. You might be able to, to Matt Decker one ship, but I don't think you're going to Matt Decker your way to a win. Yeah. Because you're not met, you're if you're trying to Matt Decker your target, you're not Matt Deckering the person who's shooting you and and and, and um, well, and that, most... and that was my original plan. I was my original plan was I'm going <laughs> to Matt Decker who's ever shooting me, but then I realized well, there's just someone up the food chain. There's no point in yeah. doing that, which is that's when I switched away from you know trying to hit all you guys and try, then just focused on trying to hit my own target. Yeah, yeah. Another thing I would recommend is, and I don't know how well this would work in a smaller playing field, but I know it was really helpful for me that I was able to uh, hang out on the side and repair myself, and that was really helpful because if you've got all these players running around the board, um, some of them are going to get in the way of each other, and so it'll be more difficult for your opponent to come to you. Uh, even on a 3x3 board, you could fairly easily escape, especially if there's only one ship per player. Uh, so if you can get off to the side and repair yourself for a little bit after a devastating attack, it uh, can really go a long way. Yeah. Um, that's you know, The ability to repair is, is also really huge in this. There are a couple, and they're mainly, if I recall, uh, Federation tech and uh, upgrades that can really do it. T9 was one of them. I think XO there Com. are... I, I recommend XO yeah, Com. T9 or Dorian T9 Collins or is the one that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there there's... 
that, that's all that was a very good point i like i had i had the ability to regenerate but that cost me my ability to attack right which was fine because i didn't use it until i was not attacking that round anyway um but yeah this was you know there's a lot to consider in this and um the you know there were there are builds like uh if, with the build that I po- that I talked about in the air, air briefing episode, with the board cube and how you literally, it, it you you ne- couldn't necessarily get through all the shields attacking it in one round. Um, that was a situation where Matt Decker would be necessary, but for the most part, unless you're going up against somebody who is that focused on defense to the exclusion uh, of offense like entirely uh high quality attack dice will be better than uh defensive building um in 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 fleet construction um well i I think we've covered all well does anyone else have a lesson learned or a suggestion for strategy either in fleet construction or in gameplay i think that's it i would say uh you know if you're going to play it in the original format uh you know bring money to buy pizza because you'll be there for a long time yeah (laughs) yeah all right we'll throw it over to pete in the news runabout said it correctly that time there we go all right so our news this this month this week is the origin games fair has begun and you should be on the lookout for coverage of the Staw national tournament as well as other Staw events from the con yeah, uh, yeah. I've seen posts on Facebook already about the uh, the cooperative event, and it seems like there's like each person gets you can choose a pre-made ship to go up against the Dominion, and there are like instruction cards for the Dominion as like an artificial intelligence. So I'm really hoping they bring that to uh, Pax Unplugged. Uh, where they're having the worlds, because I would love to take part in uh, to be able to play in that type of event, and I'm hoping they can release that to stores to run uh, as like, come see how star how awesome Star Trek Attack Wing is. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so. cool. And and that brings us to the end of yeah. Star Trek Attack Wing Battle Bridge podcast episode number twenty eight, the Assassin Scenario Debriefing. I think we all agree it was a, a lot of fun and uh, worth playing uh, with some modifications but it was a really worth it's worth doing at your venue um, you're gonna have a lot of fun with your friends um, and uh, I always want to say I, today I actually um, went into uh, Star Trek online for the first time in a little bit and got to play a little bit of their victory is life um, uh, scenario and uh, I got to wander the hallways of Deep Space Nine. They've completely rebuilt the Deep Space Nine model on the interior. Um, it is breathtaking. It's just, it's <laughs> astonishing. And uh, you just, uh, one of the things I got to say is you got to go up on the second level of the promenade, sec- the top, top level of the promenade. And they have uh, strung throughout the top level of the promenade all the way around. They have uh, baseball team pennants from uh, baseball teams from throughout the Federation. And, Ooh, uh, and they're really funny and they're, they're really clever. And uh, anyway, the, the, and all the details of this, the interior of the station, and they rebuilt the exterior of the station as well. 
Uh, it's just really gorgeous. And I haven't had time to, to play much of it. I, I played for the first uh, bit, but um, it's it's if you're a, a fan of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, uh, take a look at their Victory is Life expansion. Go walk the halls of the, of, of the station and just enjoy being there. It was, it was a lot of fun. Cool. Well, awesome. All right, so that's episode 28. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, live long and prosper. Program complete.